0: Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited to share a new episode of our podcast with you. Today, you're going to hear from Drew Pittman. Drew is an NFL sports agent and also an author. He's married to Lane. They have two sons, just an incredible man of strong character, but most of all, an incredible follower of Christ, loves the Lord in all areas of his life, is just a shining light for Jesus and loves Making Jesus known wherever He is. I can't wait for you to hear from Drew, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me
1: today, Drew. Stuart, I appreciate it, and uh, I appreciate what you're doing with this podcast and just the way you're you're using sports and uh, taking the message of Jesus Christ to to everybody. Awesome. I appreciate that.
0: I always like to start these off with some background information. So, if you don't mind, just telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, your family growing up, and then about your family
1: today. Sure. Well, I feel like I I grew up in a in a pretty typical home. Um, grew up in the Dallas suburbs and uh, Richardson, and um, unfortunately, fairly typical in that my my parents got divorced when I was eight years old and. Um, But I always say that if there's a a good way for parents to get divorced, my parents did it. Um, They stayed good friends. And, um, you know, my dad was always around and he never lived more than a couple of miles away from me. Wow. Um, through my high school years, uh, or towards the end of my high school year, he moved to to Highland Park area. But um, he was always around. And again, they did not use uh, me and my sister. I have an older sister, uh, two years older, and they didn't use us as pawns against each other. And I, I really think they were just really good friends. And so mm. that that helped. Um, my mom and step. My mom got remarried about a year later, and she was married to him until he passed away just a couple of years ago and uh, so that was a, a stabilizing force and it was kind of interesting because he was kind of the um the the guy who he worked for the same company uh TI um his whole career uh ever since I knew him and um so he'd go to work he'd come home he was always there he was always at all my my sporting events and uh you know, it was, it was, it was a great situation. Again, my dad was always around and, um, we went to church. Um, I won't say which one we went to a denominational church and, um, didn't really, uh, get the full understanding of a relationship with Christ. Um, but I, I did get some, you know, some, some good, uh, uh, influence, you know, kind of understanding the discipline of, you know, why you go to church and that it's not checking a box. Um, but at 13 years old, uh, I went to Pine Cove camp. And I, it was, it was funny because um, the first night they, they had some praise and worship. And then a guy got up and he, and he gave the gospel and he, and he shared what it meant to have a relationship with Christ. And I was mad because I had never really heard that, and I was wow. like, "You know where has this been I, I need this and I remember i I, I went back to my cabin um, I left the the service early, and again i was I was a little bit mad and, and so I go back i 'm laying in my bunk i 'm in the top bunk, and I accepted Christ to to be my savior and I went back to uh, to to the same situation I was in. Good friends, but not a lot of um, guys that, that had Christian influence in their home. And so I didn't learn what it meant to, to actually have that relationship and walk daily with Christ. Mm-hmm. I wasn't discipled and um, went back into the same church. And, and so um, that was an interesting thing because, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that happened from 13 until 18 when I was a, a senior in high school You know, there were some things that I did that, you know, probably were kind of typical stuff that that I wasn't, you know, it wasn't the right thing to do. And I could feel something inside that was like this something's wrong here. And so um, but I I didn't really understand. And so went through, you know, went to college at SMU, uh, played soccer there, kind of similar type thing, wasn't involved in church. But still, all the you know the fraternity parties and you know the girls and all the stuff, I could just feel that something wasn't right. And so it wasn't until I got out of college and I actually met these guys that were um, these really cool guys that were believers, and um, they invited me to a non-denominational church. And I got there, and that's where I really kind of plugged into um, understanding what walking with the Lord was and. Uh, the pastor there, um, his one of his big messages was um, learning how to pray and praying mm. for an hour a day, and um, so I got plugged into that, and and that's where I really realized what it what it was to have a relationship with Christ. You know, I I think
0: a, a lot of times um, my story's not much different. I grew up in a great church, great family, but didn't really understand what it meant to have a relationship with Christ. I was probably 15 or 16. A lot of it was because of growing up. I think in the church you take for granted. um, It's more about going to church and church membership and going to Sunday school. I grew up in a, in a very denominational um, situation as well. And so I don't recall like the gospel being preached as, as I hear it today. Yeah. You know? And so it's kind of interesting when you're kind of taken out of, that environment and you hear it and you think, wow, I haven't heard this before. I probably had heard it, but I, you know, but something about being removed from that situation,
1: I don't know is how the Holy spirit got me. Yeah. That's, I, I think that's one of the things with the, you know, we say the the big C, the, the church um, it's, it's where um, I, I feel like we, we've lost something, (laughs) you know, it becomes more about, you know, I talk to guys all the time and, and it's like, you know, don't feel like you have to go check a box because Mm -hmm. if all you're doing is checking a box, you're not, you're not, you're not doing what you, what you need to be doing and it's not going to be fulfilling. It's not going to be authentic. And it's, and I think that's one of the reasons why so many guys struggle with going to church and, and having, you know, being involved in the church is because it, it's, it doesn't seem authentic sometimes. Mm. You know, that's, that's, that's very interesting you say that. We had a meeting a
0: week ago Sunday after church here, the church we attend, talking about men's ministry and yeah. how to really connect with men and get men and, you know, truly discipling men. And um, the guy who's kind of leading that effort, he said those exact words. He goes, I feel like probably 80% of the men that walk in our building on Sunday are just checking a box.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? And so it's just, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's just a conversation that we're having right now.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I think it's, I think it's rampant um, in the church and, you know, the women's ministries are flourishing, you know, because they can go and they like to talk and they like to share. And of course that's not what guys do. Um, and I helped start the the men's ministry at our church and we're a big church. We're about 10 to 12,000 people. And um, we had a, you know, at the time when we started this, we were probably six to 7,000, but we had, we were lucky if we got 50 guys to a, a men's event. And sure. so, you know, the thing that, that we wanted to do was um, help men be in a, in a manly environment, you know, where you could, you could go in and be guys and, you know, uh, you could, you could um, share if you wanted to, but you didn't have to, you know, and we would hear, we would hear from the word, you know, and our pastor was really, is really great about um, just bringing the truth. And I think that's the thing, You know, with guys, we have to have, I say it all the time, authenticity is so important because we can we can sniff out the the baloney and we don't want it, you know, we don't have time for it, we don't have time for much. And so what we what we make time for has to be real. And I think that's a, a way that that men's ministry could really grow. And I you know, I told my pastor, I said, if we can get the men healthy and if we can get the men plugged in and the men involved then we won't ever have to have a, a a fund campaign um if men will tithe if men will um be involved um everything that we need will will be there and to shrug. Uh, you know i don't know if you've heard the stats and i, I i've got a, a deal in the other room um a plaque that that uh gives it but when a child comes to know the lord there's a 4% chance that he can lead, that that child can lead the, the rest of the family to Christ. If a woman g- gets saved, there's a 13% chance that the rest of the family gets saved. If a man gets saved, there's a 94% chance that the rest of the family gets saved. Mm. So we got to get the men healthy we, and we got to give all of it. And I say the, the men, I'm saying me too. You know we have to we have to have an environment where men feel comfortable, where men feel like they can be themselves. You know, there's there's issues whether it be you know um, sexual issues or covetous issues or you know uh, alcohol, drugs. You know, work workaholic. You know, workaholics. You know, we have issues, and we got to be able to talk about them. We can't come to a place. Where, you know, if you go, hey, man, you know, I got this problem. There's this girl at work and she's, you know, she's flirting with me and, you know, I'm struggling with that. And, you know, if they get if they get um, condemnation for that, they're never coming back. That's they right. got to have somebody go, dude, I get it. You know, it's real. So I'm going to jump down
0: um a few questions ahead of what, what I sent you and then we'll get back to, um, I do want to talk some sports a little about your career, but I want to ask you about, since we're talking about men, um, you've written a book called first team dad, um, you know, which kind of goes along with men and growing to who guys designed us to be. Talk about the journey to writing that, that book and why, why that topic? Cause obviously um, you're very passionate about, about reaching men. So, so talk about that journey and just tell us a little bit about the book.
1: Yeah, it's cool kind of how God works. And, and, you know, we see it sometimes more clearly looking back. But mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like most guys. You know, when I got married, I decided that I wanted to be a great husband. You know, I don't want to be good. I wanted to be great. And then when we had kids, I was like, I'm going to be a great dad. You know, I had a great dad. You know, he had his flaws. I had a stepdad, as I told you earlier, that um, gave me a lot of things that my my real dad didn't and vice versa. And so I felt like I had the, most, the best of both worlds in that situation. But I wanted to be great. And one day i was I, in in my i live out in the country and my wife and i designed our house she's self employed also and so we have offices in the on the second floor and so i i, I was going down for dinner one night and it was probably six thirty at night and I'm i'm walking down the stairs and there's a landing where i can look in and see the kitchen and there's a counter where the boys when they were younger would sit up and eat eat dinner and um I I just stopped on the landing and I I looked in and I saw my wife. um, She was cooking and the boys were sitting at the counter and they were already eating. And I think they were like 10 and 12 at the time. And, and I just sat down. I was really, I I was almost knocked to my, to, to my seat um, just looking at that and going, okay, God, you know, you've given me these Mm. human beings that I'm responsible for, that I'm, I'm supposed to love and, and, uh, nurture into who you've called them to be. And I was like, I want to be great, but I mm. don't know how. And I said, if you'll show me how to be great, I'll do it. And so and I was, I was literally, I was weeping and, and I, I went in and I just hugged them all and they're like, gosh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? And, and, But it was, it was a moment where I said, okay, I'm, you know, and I, you know, looking at them 10 and 12, I was like, you know, in, in six years, they're going to, they're going to probably listen to about half of what they listen to now. And so I'm like, I got to do it now. So in my, in my quiet time in the mornings, you know, I would, I had a, a legal pad and I just started writing down things that I thought I could do. And then I started trying those things and, and I saw some, some good results um, and how my boys were responding, how my wife was responding. And I felt like I was becoming a better leader. And so I, as I wrote those things down, I started, you know, journaling about each one. And I, and I noticed something, I noticed that each thing that I had written down was kind of like a principle from that we learned from sports. Hmm. So I, I, uh, I, you know, as I looked at it and I kept making, you know, notes and adding things to it, there was about 35 different topics. And I thought, okay, this looks like a, a outline for a table of contents for a book. And mm. I said, I don't know what you're telling me, God, but so for like two years as I traveled and I was traveling a little bit more back then, you know, I'm sitting in a, in a, uh, airport, you know, and I just had my computer out and I was just writing and then I'd sit, you know, instead of going in and watching all the, you know, flipping through the sports channels at hotels, I just started writing. And and I, I got to a point and I said, okay, you know, if you want me to write a book, you've got to open doors. And at the time I was listening to the Catalyst podcast a lot. And that was back mm-hmm. when uh, Ken Coleman and Brad Lominick were running it. And um, Ken one time said something like, oh, so-and-so stopped by the mothership and we love it when our listeners come by. And so I looked it up. They're in Atlanta. About three weeks later, I was supposed to be in Atlanta. So I, I sent him a, an email and I just said, Hey, I'm going to be in Atlanta. You said, you love it when people come by the mothership. I want to come by the mothership. And so he said, come on by. So I, I went in, I sat down with Ken who, you know, Ken now is with Dave Ramsey and, and mm-hmm. runs all his stuff. And Ken is a great guy. And so we just were talking and he's a sports guy. And so he's asking me about my business and sports and, and then it was like, almost like all of a sudden he goes, so Drew, what's on your heart? And I said, well, <laughs> matter, I think I'm writing a book. And he goes, oh, wow, that's awesome. He goes, I just wrote a book. It's just getting ready to come out. He goes, you got to meet this guy that helped me. And so he introduced me to him. And um, so I sent him my stuff and, and I fully expected him to, to, you know, get back with me and go, Hey, don't quit your day job, you know, but he called me back and he goes, you know what? I think, I think there's a book here. And I was like, okay, what's next? And so he came out and and spent two days with me and helped me kind of get it organized and get it in a um, presentation form. And, you know, he did this thing called chapter mapping, which is, you know, keeping all the everything kind of similar and um, helped me get three uh, chapters written. And kind of, he kind of, you know, at the time it was kind of more of a military kind of, um, style. Um, but he said, you know, you got to go sports. And so, you know, I, anyway, I, I, uh, we got that together. He helped me get an agent. Um, and it's funny, the first agent, he said, I'm sending it to three guys. And the first guy said, um, you know, I like your stuff but it's not the direction I'm going these days. I don't think I'm the best guy for you. The second guy said, this is terrible. It will never get published. You'll never sell a single one. It's maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. And then the third guy said, I love it. I think I can help you. There's a book here. And so wow. he got me with uh, with uh, uh, Baker Publishing and um, Baker... Uh, uh, has several what they call houses and, and they put me with their, their biggest house, um, which is Bethany. And, uh, I got, I, I contacted, uh, my good friend, Tony Dungie and said, Tony, I'm writing a book. Would you write the forward? And he said, I'd love to. And so, um, I always joke that that I probably wouldn't have gotten published had Tony not written my, <laughs> my uh, uh, forward, but, um, and, and so it just kind of every step of the way, God just kept opening up doors. And, um, you know, funny thing is when like, you know, as the years went on after it came out and, you know, my boys would do something, I'd blow up at them and, and scream and yell. And, you know, they would go, oh, first team dad. And, and my Ooh. response was always, I didn't write the book because I am one. I wrote the book because I want to be one. Wow. Um, That's good. And that's the, that's the deal. I don't think that I'm, you know, the greatest dad ever, but I know that if we're not intentional, we won't even get as close as we could get. And so, um, just felt like it was a way to be intentional. I feel like a lot of the guys that I go and speak with, um, you know, they're, they kind of feel the same way. It's like, you know, nobody gave me a manual, you know, there's not a, you know, 10 steps to being the greatest dad ever. And, and so we just need help. And, um, you know, I've gotten a lot of great feedback and I don't say that because I think, you know, I'm really smart and I did a great job. I I totally, you know, know that everything that is good from this is, is inspired by God. And um, I just was, I just said, okay, you know, I just said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll do that. So Anyway, that's kind of how it came about. And uh, it's, been, it's been fun, you know. And uh, I, feel like, I feel like, you know, I, I always felt like if, if one family was changed because of it, then it would be a success. And, and I know I've gotten lots of response from, from guys who said, hey, man, your book really helped. And, you know, the way I wrote it was for guys like me who don't really have a lot of time. You know, I'd love to sit down and read for two hours a night. I don't have that time. And so each chapter is about three to five pages. And, um, you know, I tell a story about something that happened to me in my business or something that happened in sports and um, and then uh, talk about the principle that is related to that story. And then at the end, I give um, four or five bullet points on how you can actually implement the, the principle, because I felt like through the years, you know, I've read tons of books and I go wow, that is really great stuff, but I have no idea how to make that a reality in my life. And so it was information without application. And Mm -hmm. I really feel like it's important to, to have information that allows us to apply it to our lives. And so I feel like it's easy. Um, it's not like, you know, there's 30, uh, chapters and then there's a couple of bonus, um, chapters or bonus sections, but, um, you could, you could, you know, read, you could skip around, you can look through it and go, Oh, let me try that, you know? And, and then you can actually read it and then implement it. And so that's, um that's kind of how it all came about. I like that. I mean, I just jotted down
0: a couple of things as you were talking about that um, just the whole process. And it's something we can apply to, you know, a lot of areas of our life, not just writing a book. It's, I think, I know I'm weak at journaling, Um, I go through phases in life and I'll write things and then I'll go two or three years where I don't write anything, you know, so that's just always a weak point. But I I just wrote down two words. I wrote journal, but I wrote available and obedient. You were, you made yourself available and you were obedient to where God was calling you. And I just think that, I mean, that's just a takeaway and just a reminder that no matter where we are, if we just make ourselves available to God and we are obedient, um, he'll use us um, in incredible ways. We just, a lot of times I think don't don't make ourselves available.
1: Yeah. Or I, I think can, or I can never do that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think, yeah. you know, a lot of times, you know, the enemy wants to, to tell us we can't, and then reminds us of all the reasons why we're not, um, you know, we're, 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 uh, we shouldn't be uh, able to do it, That's but, right. um, you know, if we'll just say, I don't care, I'm, I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to the Lord. And, do it anyway. Uh, it's amazing what, what, cause it's never us anyway, you That's know, right. it's not about what we've done or what we haven't done or what, what our abilities are. It's, it's about what God can do with us.
0: That's right. I want to talk a little bit about your, your career as well. You, you mentioned, um, you've mentioned sports a good bit. So you are a sports agent. Um, so talk about, you know, that process of becoming an agent or why,
1: well, it's funny. Um, people ask me all the time, you know, how'd you become a sports agent? And my my joke answer is I got hit on the head and lost my mind. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, so I went to SMU. I was there during the Pony Express days. Um, soccer team locker room was right next to the football locker room. And I guess we had some respect uh, with them because we were always in the top 10 nationally. Um, and so got to be friends with a lot of the players. And You know, I saw as they um, got out of school that they would go off and and these and the agent business was even worse than it is now, you know, back then there was even some mafia involvement and, you know, the players were being treated like assets. They weren't being treated like human beings who have goals and dreams. And so I got out and I thought, man, it'd be kind of cool to 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 really go out and help these guys. And uh, had no idea, uh, you know, what the business was like and um, got introduced to a guy who had a, a, a pretty successful agency. It was mostly golfers, but he had some football players. And um, so I talked to him and, and uh, he said, uh, he said, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great business, but you got to be ready to start for about three or four years. And I was like, I like to eat too much. I don't want to starve. So I didn't do it. And then I, and my dad was a banker. He, um, he owned some banks and so I'd worked in his banks growing up and, and I, you know, when I got out of college, got a degree in finance from SMU. And, um, so went to work, uh, for his bank and, and then, um, it was kind of when real estate was going, going pretty good. And some of it, one of his directors, uh, talked me into going to work for him in the real estate business. And, um, so I kind of got into it in the mid eighties, right. As it was starting to go downhill. (laughs) And, uh, so when that kind of played out, I was, I was 29 years old and I was like, you know, if I'm ever going to try this agent thing, I got to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I sent 150 bucks to the state of Texas to incorporate and I just started doing it. And, um, kind of the, the cool thing was I had met this, this guy, uh, came good friends with him and he was, uh, he worked with and was good friends with this girl whose dad was the head football coach at Baylor. Mm. And so I thought, wow, you know, maybe I can meet her and she can introduce me to her dad. And then, you know, maybe I can, um, use that as a way to kind of get started. And so I, uh, uh, ended up getting together with her one time and and it was a uh, we talked business for thirty minutes and she's like, Yeah, you know I love the way you're talking about doing this. I'm happy to introduce you to my dad and uh, the dinner lasted two and a half hours and three months later we were engaged and it was Lane Taft and uh, now Lane Taft pittman so that's how I you know God used that to um, introduced me to my, uh, my soulmate and my best friend. And, um, it's been, been awesome. But, uh, that's, that's how I got into the business. And it's funny because I was reading, so I don't know if you know who John Gordon is. Um, absolutely love John. And, and, uh, he was, I was reading something today and it was about, um, how to deal with naysayers. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, I actually forwarded the email to, uh, my wife and both my boys and said, "Please read this." And and you know, when I started my agency, I had so many people going, "You're you're going to do what? You're going to be a sports agent? You, you know, you're a banker, you're a real estate guy." And and it, funny thing is, I I uh, I ran into John Makovic right as I started, and he was when he was the head coach at Texas and um, friends of of the Taff family, and so he goes, "Drew." you know, it's really honorable what you're trying to do. He said, but you're never going to make it. And I said, Hey, thanks coach. You have the gift of encouragement. And he goes, no, no, I don't mean that. He goes, but, but you're too honest. He said, everybody in that business is a snake. I said, well, coach, I'm going to do it the way I feel like God wants me to do it. And if I don't make it, that's fine. You know, but I'm going to, I'm going to do what I feel like I'm supposed to do. And um, so, you know, it was, totally totally god thing there is no way you know i always say that you know if i knew then what i know now i probably would have never tried it and so um but you know i just did it and i you know the first year i signed one guy and 10 days into camp he got cut mm. and i was like okay this may be a little harder than i thought it was but you know god just kept providing and opening doors and slowly but surely you know built a business and at the time i uh or couple of years in I partnered with a guy named Craig Doman um, again total God thing on how we met and Craig and I were partners for 22 years and in the agent business like guys are partners for about you know three or four years and then they get mad and they fight and you know and not that Craig and I didn't have our share of fights but you know we always had this thing of you know I'm thinking about you first and he was that mm-hmm. way with me and I tried to be that way with him and uh, sometimes we had to just agree to disagree, and um, we always we always um, put you know we we had this thing where we said you know Christ is the CEO of our business, and we're gonna do things the way He wants us to do it, and we're gonna trust Him to provide, and and He has, and s- still is, and um, now I've got uh, I've got eight uh, partners, and um, we kind of rebranded a few years ago as Capital Sports Advisors, and. Um it's been great. Is there what's um are most of you guys football athletes? All football, yeah. All and football. I represent some coaches too. Um got it, you know, makes makes sense as the as the uh coaching representation industry um changed that you know it made sense to do that. And so um it's uh, yeah, it's it's uh I, I thought Lot, you know, at the very beginning, I thought maybe we'll branch into other sports, but it just made sense to, to stay with football. You know, a lot of people think
0: of the sports agent field as being this glamorous um, career field just because of, you know, the contracts that we see on TV and read about in the paper, you know, sure. all, the, all the big money. So, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people that go, hey, I, I want to be a sports agent because it's, it's money. You know, I'm getting a cut of whatever. Um, Talk about the demands and struggle because it's not – there's no way it's all glamorous, right?
1: No, it's not. But, you know, it's funny because guys will always ask me, they go, oh, is it as cool as it seems? And I say, no, it's not. But it is cool. And, you know, it's like – Two weeks from now, I'm taking my youngest son. He's, like I said, he's a big Titans fan. taking him to the Titans game. Um, You know, I've talked to the team. And we do this a lot. And my other son's a Cowboy fan, so I take him to Cowboy games. But, you know, we go down on the field. You know, there's players that I know. There's team, you know, personnel that I know. Um, We get to do stuff that, you know, a lot of fans, you know, just dream about doing and so that part is fun. Um, but the most fun part is being able to, to, you know, you sign a guy and there's ups and downs, you know, the best players have ups and downs and, Mm -hmm. and being able to, to help a guy accomplish his goals and dreams. You know, when people ask me, you know, everybody knows there, you got to have a 30 second elevator speech. You know, if you're in an elevator and somebody says, what do you do? Mine is I help young men accomplish their goals and dreams. And It's, it's so fun. And there's guys that I've represented that have disappointed me and they haven't, you know, they haven't taken my advice and they haven't um, accomplished all that they could, but there's guys that accomplished way more than they ever thought they could because they, they were literally coming in and partnering with me and they did their part, you know, and they had to, they had to do their part, but they took my advice and they, they realized that I have experience and, you know, one of the things that I feel like God's gifted me with is the ability to help guys make good decisions. And, and, you know, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made as a player. And, um, you know, I've walked guys through some, some very tough situations, whether it be coaching changes or, you know, injuries or, you know, marital issues. And so, um, that is the most fun part about being in the business. And, you know, um, there, there are some things that, that maybe seem more glamorous than they, you know, it's always like that, you know, you see movie stars or whatever, and it's like, oh, it's so glamorous, but you don't see, you don't see the grind part of it. And there's a lot of grind. And and in this business, you hear no about 20 times for every time you hear yes. Mm -hmm. And so, Um, you gotta, you know, you gotta be okay with, with hearing no, and, uh, you you know, you can't be thin skinned, you gotta be thick skinned and you gotta be, you know, willing to, you know, sometimes it, it's almost humiliating some of the things that, you know, that had, you know, I've been fired for no reason. Um, you know, I've been fired because other agents lied to my client, Mm. um, you know, and you just, you just go, Hey, you know, and my boys would go, Oh, I can't believe you got fired. I'm like, Hey, it happens. <laughs> you know, it's part of the part of the business. And um, so anyway, you know, I just feel like, uh, it's what God called me to do. And, you know, he opened up the door to write the book because I was an agent, you know, um, I've, I've started another company. I don't know if I told you before, but I started another company recently that is, very exciting to me um it's a sports science company and we've got a we've got a product that mitigates concussion and like even yesterday watching games and you saw the the hit with mason rudolph um, you know oklahoma state kid that's at, at pittsburgh and i'm i'm sitting here it's i don't know if our device would have kept that from happening but it's kind of like we, we say our, our device is like the seatbelt. And you know you can. Every time we get in a car, we put our seatbelt on. You know now right. there's airbags, and so you can still get in a wreck and and get seriously hurt or or have a fatality um, wearing your seatbelt, having an airbag. But we know you have a much better chance of surviving. And so mm-hmm. for me, um, to see something that and I totally trust that that God has just you know if you look back on it, and maybe I'll write a book about that one day, but. you look back on it and there is no reason why I should be in this position, but we literally have a chance to, to save people's brains just by using the device that we have. It's called brain vault. Um, everybody will see it here, here pretty soon. We'll be, we'll be rolling out, uh, probably the, the first quarter of next year. And, um, very exciting because we, we just, we know that it, um, that, that it will mitigate concussion and, and give guys a, a better chance at it, having a better life. You know, I've seen lots of players that are suffering greatly from uh traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Hopefully um, as a parent of kids
0: that love football, uh, I look forward to that product coming out sooner yeah. rather than later.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So let me ask you, um, Obviously, it's very clear um, that your faith is your identity, um, and, and that your identity is not in being a sports agent. So, talk about the challenge, though, of being a follower of Christ in a business that's so much about performance and so competitive. I mean, you talked about—I mean, yeah—people lie about you to get you fired. So, yeah. talk about you know staying connected to other believers in an environment that is totally against um, the grain of being a follower of Christ because it's all about performance and um, it's so competitive, which leads to a lot of unethical things.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you have to deal with um, people who are chasing the things of the world, no matter what industry you're in. And I love being in an industry because I'm as competitive as they come you talk to my family, we play, you know, we play cards or uh Wahoo or something. And they're like, gosh, dad, you know, why do you want to win so bad? I'm like, cause we're competing. So I love competition and I love being in an industry where competition is a, is a main goal. Now I'm going to compete hard and I'm going to compete. You know, I'm going to do everything that I can. I'm just going to do it ethically. And, and, um, you know, I feel like, um, In this business, like there's a lot of players in this business that I don't want to represent. Mm. And so I'm not trying to assign every guy so I can go out. And when I meet with players, I'm very open about, you know, I'm I'm interviewing you. You're interviewing me. I'm trying to find out if you're a good fit for me. You're trying to find out if I'm a good fit for you. And we'll just keep going down this road until we decide that it's either a yes or a no. And either way, I'm fine with it. You know, I've had I've had really great players go, you know, what? I don't think you're a very good fit for me. And I'm like, you know what? I think you're right. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't don't think we I don't think we mesh. And, you know, you're going to want me to do things down the road that I'm not willing to do. And like I have I have never lied to a team. You know, when I'm when I'm marketing a player to a team, I've never lied to the team and told them that he was something that he wasn't or that he could do something that he, that he couldn't do or that his personality was one way when it really wasn't, you know? And so teams respect me and, and, you know, I'm not the only agent in the business that's like this, you know, I've got, I've got eight partners who are the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there's a, there's a, a, unfortunately only about a handful of others that I could, <laughs> that I could say that about. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I don't, I like to compete and, and I don't care if the playing field isn't level because I don't expect to get everybody. And I know, and I know there's been guys that I knew for a fact they were supposed to sign with me and they didn't. And their career sometimes worked, went fine. You know, sometimes it didn't. And, And I go, man, if that guy had been with me, he would have gotten different advice. He would have heard the truth instead of what he wanted to hear and his career would have worked out better. You know, same thing with, you know, their marriages and their relationships and their family situations and their finances. You know, God's called us to to be able to sow into people's lives in many ways. And so I feel like when when somebody signs with me, they get more than just somebody who's extremely knowledgeable and experienced in in the football world. They're getting somebody that's going to care about them enough to tell them the truth. And, you know, as you know, not everybody wants that. And that's fine. You know, if you don't want that, we're going to clash somewhere and it's not going to work out. And so I'd rather not even get into it. So... Anyway, it's um, it's it, but but you know I think the other thing and it and it relates to this is you can't no matter who you are or what line of work you're in you can't have a Christian life and a um, work life and then a right. family life you can't separate you're either a follower of Christ living your life trusting the Holy Spirit to guide you in everything that you do or you're not and so. I think sometimes, you know, people say, oh, well, that's just business. I'm like, you know, yeah, it's business, but it's not, it's not something different. You know, you're not, you not you don't get to take your relationship with Christ out of a part of your life. Because if you do, you're going to have so much confusion in your spirit that it will eat you up and you may not even know where it's coming from. Mm. my, my whole thing, you know, when people, people ask me, you know, how are, you know, how do you um, deal with being a, a believer in a, you know, in a, whether it's being in a cutthroat business or a, you know, competitive business or a business driven by money? Um, you know, I just say, hey, I'm just, I'm just who I am. You know, I'm not a believer doing this. I'm just, I'm a believer living my life. Trusting that God's providing, trusting that God's putting me in the right situation, trusting that God's taken me out of the wrong situations. And so, you know, there have been some situations I've been in that I go, okay, God, why'd you let me go through that? You know, I didn't, I didn't, I would have been better off walking away from that guy. But, you know, I I know he's put me involved with with people for a reason. And um, it's just, you know, I feel like life is so fun. And if, you know, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not fun. Mm. You know, if life was always easy, it would be boring. That's right. And, um, you know, one of the things God's put on my heart recently is this whole thing about live your dreams. You know, God's given us dreams not to not to push aside, not to go, oh, I can't do. Oh, I could never do that. You know, um, it's it's so that we can trust him. And use what he has given us instead of worrying about what we don't have, you know, and, and using that for his glory and, you know, going at, you know, going for it. If you don't go for it, man, it's life gets, life gets, um, life gets very tough when you don't, when you don't pursue the things that are on your heart. And a lot of times people don't pursue it because they just don't feel like they could, they should you know i'd rather I'd rather try something and fail than not try and always wonder what would have happened amen i agree with that one hundred percent let me I've ask you i have got a son who's um applying to Baylor and you know his 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 test scores are really good, way better than mine and his you know his his grades in school are good but you know it's it's a it's a competitive environment out there in schools and and um you know, my thing is, I, I go. You know, I'm a guy that that had a very low SAT score. I could have never gotten into SMU had I not been a soccer player. I made a I made a three five my first semester. I graduated with a three zero in finance, and you know, I I own two businesses. I've written a book. I'm like, I'm not supposed to have been able to do those things, and so people look at at you know, their circumstances and they go, Oh, I I can't do that. But I'm like, just, you know, if, if you feel like that's what God's telling you to do, trust him to make it happen. And, you know, you can't trust in yourself, but you trust him to make it happen. So go live your dreams. That's good. So how do you balance, um, the demands of your career, um, with being a husband and a dad? Well, I think it's, um, all about prioritizing. And when, you know, when Craig and I got together and, you know, he had started a family a little bit before me and, um, you know, we always said we, we have to have a balance and, you know, there's people in, in our business that they're out there, man, they want to go take over the world. You know, they want to be, you know, they want to be on the sports center. They want to be, you know, flying from city to city and doing, you know, and that was never our goal. Our goal and my goal is, I want to I want to be an influential positive um influence on young men's lives. And if it's five guys, it's five guys. If it's 10, it's 10. If it's 20, it's 20. Mm-hmm. But my my goal was, you know, I and I had I had some goals about, you know, having having a business and that, you know, that was allowing me to um provide for my family. But it was never that before my family. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I always put my family first. We moved from, from the Dallas area to Salado, Texas, because we wanted to, to slow the pace down a little bit. You know, I was, I coached all my kids stuff. Um, when they were in in elementary school and even junior high, you know, my wife or I would go up and have lunch with them once a week, you know, until they got to that age where they didn't want us to do it anymore. (laughs) But, um, you know we would you know we were involved in the community um i could, right now still i you know for the last four years and this is my last years as, as my my youngest son's a senior but i coached the high school basketball team and the non-uil um sanctioned events and and you know I, my wife and i both have this very distinct whistle and you know we always laugh that we could be anywhere in salado and if we whistle about 20 kids would come running and <laughs> And, and so you know it was it's been it's been fun that so that's that was the priority you know we're um, we're very involved in our church and our church is 30 minutes away, but we're ministering elders at our church and you know like I said, I've been involved in the in the men's ministry and my wife's been involved in um, what we call freedom ministry at our church and we're both on the prayer team and you know you just you just make decisions and you know there's there's a there's a a, a chapter in my book about it. And I tell a story about one of my, one of my really good friends at, at one of the teams and they just finished playing. And, uh, he was going from the stadium to the airport because they were playing in London the next week. And he said, he goes, Drew, I'm just, cause they had adopted five kids. And, um, so he's like, you know, I'm, I feel I'm, I'm feeling so guilty, you know, what do I do? And so, you know, we had a, we had a great conversation about, you know, some, you know, some prioritizing and things that he could do. And, and uh, he actually acted on it and he's still running the team and um, very, he's great at what he does. And he's a great human being. And, you know, um, so anyway, it's, 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 it's finding answers and prioritizing. And sometimes it's making hard choices and walking away from stuff that, you know, there's been, there's been times when I've been recruiting players and, you know, the, it came down to, going to a you know a basketball tournament for my sons or going to a meeting if I wanted to get the guy. And I went to the basketball tournament and I said, Hey, if you don't want to meet with me later, if you don't want to, you know, understand that this is a priority in my life, then, you know, go sign with somebody else. And sometimes that's what happens. That's awesome. That is an
0: encouragement. I know. I mean, it's not just for those that are in your line of business, but any, especially for, for men and in any, any work um, is that you got going to have balance and boundaries. And I think we all struggle in, in some stages. I know I have and still do sure. at times of uh, making, you know, remembering that my number one job is being a husband and a dad. And it's not about career or whatever. So I can be doing all the great things out there. I can go volunteer at a ton of things, but if I'm neglecting my family um, as a husband and a dad, then, Oh, that's yeah. useless.
1: Yeah. You know, and we see that in ministry too. people are ministering to uh, other people's kids and, you know, neglecting their own. And, uh, you know, but also, you know, I, I told my family that, you know, there are going to be times when I can't be there, you know, right. I'm going to have to be someplace else. But then I make it up on another end and, and you know, do something that, you know, maybe other guys aren't able to do.
0: Right. No, that's awesome. That's a, I know it's an encouragement for me personally, um, you know, on boundaries and balance. And, you know, a lot of people say, when you're at home, be home. Yeah. You know, and so that's good. A lot of our listeners are student athletes and coaches. So um, you talked about you can't compartmentalize your life. You're the follower of Christ or you're not. So what encouragement would you offer one that has this platform of athletics, either as an athlete or a coach, but, you um, you know, wants to use that platform to be bold in their faith? How would you encourage
1: them to, to step up and stand out? Yeah, I think that, I think the, the real key to that is what I said earlier, and that's just being who you are, mm. you know, and, and it's, um, you know, and it doesn't mean, you know, I talk about um, meekness, you know, obviously you just spoke about the meek shall inherit the earth and people, you know, the world sees meekness as weakness, but meekness is quiet strength. And so if we are, if we are, um, I think the first thing is becoming comfortable with who you are. And, and that's hard. And it's hard in a, especially as a young person, I didn't do as good of a job of it as a younger person um, because, you know, peer pressure and you want to, you know, you want to, you don't want to alienate your friends and all that stuff, but it's, it's everybody has to, and this, this goes for adults probably as much or more than, than younger people, but um, as an athlete, as a business owner, as a, you know, employee, as a coach, you know, be comfortable with who you are. And that comes from, you know, understanding who you are in Christ and, and having relationship with the Lord. And then, you know, I, I came up with a uh, I came up with a uh, what I call the Pitman Creed for for my boys and I wanted them to read it every day but you know one of the things that that is in that creed is to live your life to glorify God and don't live your life for the approval of man but seek God's plan for your life and don't be afraid mm-hmm. you know one of my I know one of the questions you had was uh, you know favorite verses. And, you know, one of mine is, um, is, uh, Joshua one nine, where it says, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for your, for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And to me, that is like, you know, we have to be courageous and we have to, If we're living our life for the approval of God and not the approval of man, then we don't care what people think. And I know as a, you know, almost uh, as a 59-year-old man, it's easier for me to be that way than it was when I was a 30-year-old man. But, you know, when um, when I was a senior in high school, a lot of my friends, a lot of guys I was hanging out with, you know, they started doing some things that I didn't want to be involved in. And I basically was a loner my senior year in high school because I just said, I'm not doing that. You know, I knew that I wanted to go play college soccer. I knew that I had a chance to. And so I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw all that stuff away doing things that are, you know, typical stupid high school, 18 year old boy stuff. And so, you know, I I had to make that decision. and, And I, so my encouragement to your listeners who are young athletes or who are, um, you know, coaches, you know, cause I know there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a, you know, I know coaches because I represent some coaches and you know, there's a lot of guys who, who fall into that, you know, I gotta be tough and I gotta be, I gotta be strong. And that means cussing at the kids and, mm-hmm. you know, being, being mean. And, you know, that's not true. You know, my Tony Dungy, my friend, you know, one of the greatest coaches ever, he never raised his voice. hmm you know, he was, you know, he, he wrote the book, quiet strength, you know, that's, that's, you know, real strength is standing up for who you know you are and being that regardless of what people say, you know, other coaches might call you soft, you know, who cares what other coaches think? That's right. It's, it's being that coach that the kids love, you know, if your kids don't love you, they will not play for you. That's right. And so, you know, I just think it's, it's um, you know, be encouraged that, you know, be yourself and, and trust that God's got you and that, you know, the people who are going to turn their back on you for you being who you know you're supposed to be are not people that you're going to be associated with in two or three years anyway. That's right. It's always, I think we all can
0: be reminded. And, and I like the way you say you, your boys read this every day, but just live life to glorify God, not approval of man. I think that's such a battle um, in today's culture. It's about uh, for approvals. all of us. Yeah. yeah. Well, needing approval. Yeah. We need validation. We need approval. And that's just such a struggle. And um, I talk to my, my kids about that all the time, you know, they're yeah. in middle school, high school, about you know you're entering a stage of life where your friends are going to start making choices that aren't aren't the best and you can't worry about whether um they push you away or not because your identity is not in your friends and who you hang out with it's your identity is ultimately in christ so you can't be afraid to take a stand yeah so that's good it's always a good reminder i mean i need it too all the time yeah about, I'll tell you, you know, one, I think, one I think in the social media world, we, we look for validation.
1: Yeah. Approval, well, if you will. One story in, in my business life, you know, I had a, I had a client that um, I went and saw, they played a game, they won, you know, a bunch of his teammates came over to his house uh, after the game and I was staying at his house and, and uh, they were all like, Hey, you know, let's go out to the to the strip clubs. And, and my client looked at me and he goes, Oh Dre Drew ain't going. <laughs> and all the all these big football players are like, oh come on, man, you came to see, you can't let your client down. No, I go, dude, that's not who I am. That's not what I do. And he knows it and I'm cool with it. And they, they pressured me. And I was like, mm. you know, there is absolutely nothing you can say that would make me go with you guys. And um, you know, we gotta we gotta take a stand. That's right. And that's not, you know, it's easy to talk about it,
0: um, but you know, but at the end of the day, if we're truly goes back to, if we're truly followers of Christ, then it doesn't, we shouldn't worry. We shouldn't be afraid to take that stand because that's who we are. So the last question is more of a practical question um, that I know I always enjoy talking about. And um, I get a lot of feedback from listeners on this and it's just about, you know, in sports, you hear the, two words all in all the time it's on t-shirts chin straps wristbands and so we know what it means but also as a follower of christ jesus is very clear you know we're to deny ourselves and if we're going to be a follower of him so what does that look like on a on a daily basis in a practical sense for you drew to be all in in your walk with christ
1: yeah you know i hate to keep bringing up the same point but it's it's being who you are Mm-hmm. and and knowing that your identity is as a follower of Jesus and you know that can sound really churchy and if if anybody's listening they go oh this guy's all churchy no it's just it's just you know it's be real and mm-hmm. and you know you're either you know it's like Jesus said if you if you love me you'll obey me Mm. And it doesn't mean we're perfect, you know. One of the things I talk about all the time is, you know, walking with the Lord is like is like having a GPS. And you know, if you make two or three or four wrong turns, it doesn't shut down; it redirects you to get you mm. back to where you're supposed to go. And so we can make mistakes, you know. That that redirect is is repentance, and and so being all in is just is just you know, knowing that even when you make mistakes, it's, it's coming, you know, coming back, it's, you know, but part of it too, and I think kind of the practical stuff you, you, you mentioned is if, if you, you can't just wake up and say, oh yeah, I love Jesus. Yay, Jesus. And then you, you know, you, you just go and chase everything else. It's, um you know, it's kind of like with this thing, this, this creed that, that my boys and I read every day. It's, coming back to what, what are the, what does that look like? You know, what are the things I I read it every morning? I read it every night. You know, it's like I wake up and I go, okay, this is setting the course of my day. You know, I, me personally, if I don't, if I don't get up early, um, even though I'm sleepy, I don't know if there's any Advocare fans out there. I'm I'm a spark, you know, if I don't have my spark in the morning, it's hard for me to get going, but you know, I, I make my spark. I sit down with the word and I read and sometimes I read a lot. Sometimes I read just one verse. You know, I'm, in fact, I've spent like this year, I'm just going through the Gospels and and I'm spending as much time as I need just in the Gospels, not, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I'm just I'm, I'm not rushing through that. I'm not trying to read the Bible in a year. Last year, I read the whole New Testament, but I did it you know in bits and pieces. And there are days when I read two or three chapters. There are days when I wrote, read two or three verses for like a whole week and just let God speak to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um but it's you know like as we know as, as an athlete, we have to be disciplined as an athlete. If we're going to be the best that we can be, we got to we got to lift when you don't. I didn't love to lift weights, you know, but you got to lift. Um you got to run. You know, you have to have stamina. If you're going to be a good athlete, you have to, you have to practice the skills. You know, what do we all love to do when we're playing sports? We love scrimmage, right? But sometimes you got to do shooting drills. Sometimes you got to do ball handling drills. Sometimes you got to do, you know, if you're an offensive lineman, you got to do pass pro drills. And, and, you know, so it's developing the discipline to, you know, not just check the box. Oh, I read four chapters in the Bible today, you know, yay me. Um, spent 30 minutes on my face talking to God, you know, um, went to church this week, you mm-hmm. know, you know, I tell my boys going to church is not just going to church. It's being with other believers. It's having fellowship. It's maybe you need to be encouraged, but maybe somebody needs to be encouraged by you. Maybe mm. somebody looks over and they go, wow, there's an 18 year old boy in church with his family, you know, that's, you know, that encourages them. They go, if an 18 year old boy can do it, or if a 16 year old boy can do it, then I know I can do it. So it's, there's many reasons why we go to church. Um, But more than anything, it's, it's knowing God, it's knowing his character, it's understanding, you know, his love, what it really is. You know, sometimes his love is to tell, you no. you know, I got, mm. I got a ton of stories I could tell you about when I prayed for God to give me what I wanted. And he said, okay, here you go. And it didn't work out. That's so, right. you know, it's just having that discipline and, and every day. And, and as you know, him, you know, it's kind of like you and I, we're, we're, you know, we've got, we're starting to get to know each other, but the more we get to know each other, the the closer we're going to be. And the That's more, right. I can call on you and the more you can call on me. And, and, you know, hopefully we're, you know, we then connect each other with other, other people and, you know, and that's the way it is with having a relationship with the Lord. And so, um, you know, I, I, I always hate to, you know, I don't ever want to sound like a, a churchy guy because, you know, or religious, you know, when people say, are you religious? I always say, man, I hope not, you know, yeah, I just want to be, I just want to be a real guy. And, you know, I love to compete and I might, I might lose my temper in a, you know, playing a pickup basketball game, you know, and I'll ask you to forgive me, you know, cause I got too heated, but you know, I'm i am a real guy and um, there's nothing wrong with being a real guy, but we got to be real guys that love Jesus. And that's where our heart is. That's our, that's our North star. That's where, you know, that's where our direction comes from. And so I think that's the main thing. Being all in is just, you know, is number one. Like I said earlier, when you when you are separating your life, then what you have is is um, confusion in your spirit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know what it's like to be confused in our mind, but confusion in our spirit. Mm -hmm. it, It creates so many issues. It creates health issues. It creates you know, personality issues, it creates relationship issues, and we don't even know where it's coming from because it's so subtle because it's deep within. So we can't be spiritual. We can't be confused in our spirit. We have to, we have to, you know, and it's easy to take that out of it. So to me, that's what, that's what being all in is. That's good stuff. I wrote, man,
0: I wrote down a lot. I almost ran out of paper um, on that, but, uh, cause that's always an encouragement to me because, you know, The struggle sometimes I have, I mean, just being real is, you know, you kind of get in a rut of, it's kind of like we talked about going to church, checking the box. Sometimes you get, I get in a rut in my daily walk and go, okay, I read the Bible today, I prayed, check, check. Okay, I'm good to go. Right. And that is the worst thing ever. Right. But then, you know, I just started with the group um, this month in October, we're going through the book of Proverbs one a day. And it's yep. now the group is huge. We have a little group chats. So everybody's kind of sharing their favorite verse. And, um, so now, you know, you, you wake up anxious to get into the word because you know, there's some accountability as well, yeah. but you know, it comes down to my allowing God to speak to me through his word, or am I just doing it to check the box because that's what the good Christian guy is supposed to do. Right. 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 So that's good.
1: Well, I think sometimes too, um, you know, and you may want to edit this out, but, you know, sometimes when I'm in a rut, sometimes I just go, okay, you know what, like, I'm not going to church today, you know, and I may, I may go for a walk and say, you know, God, why do I feel, we always think, you know, we got to hide stuff from God. It's like, you can't hide anything from Him. That's right. So, Sometimes I like, you know, I may, I may be in a lot of, usually with me, at least it's, it's when really, really hard things are happening in my life. Mm -hmm. My wife has rheumatoid arthritis and it's a debilitating disease. And sometimes I get angry that she hasn't been completely healed because Mm -hmm. I know that's what God does. I know his power. And Mm -hmm. so, and, and I believe, you know, it says, it says the, um, the, the prayer of faith makes the the sick man well. And and you know, okay, I'm praying in faith. Why isn't my wife well? You know, she prays in faith. Why is she wake? Mm-hmm. Like, why do I have to see her grimace just to take steps across the floor? You mm-hmm. know, and so I I get mad. And you know, but I don't hide that from God. Maybe I don't feel like being around other people. So maybe I don't go to church. Maybe I go for a walk in the country and I go, God, I'm mad, you know. Tell speak to me, tell me, you know, how do I deal with this? And, um, you know, sometimes I get up in the morning and if I, if I'm not, you know, if I'm, if I don't feel like praying and I don't feel like, you know, uh, reading the word, maybe I'll just go literally lay on the floor on my face and say, God speak to me, you know, Mm -hmm. I need you. And so I think one of the things is turning to him instead of away from him. That's right. So often we turn away, but, you know, he's, we don't, you know, we don't hurt his feelings when we say I'm mad at you, you know, right. and he tells us why we shouldn't be, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, and sometimes that's not overnight either. So that's right. anyway, that's, it's just, it's just being, being, being real and, uh, being authentic and, and, uh, trusting him. And even when you don't understand. That's good stuff. I had a, um,
0: a former guest was talking about, you know how a lot of times we're we can be really good at being in the Word, but we still don't listen to God because our prayer life is God, I need this, this, and this instead of, you know, he was telling the story of his daughter saying, "Well, she says, Dad, I, I'm praying," but he's like, "Okay, are you reading the Bible? Are you asking God to speak to you through through His Word? And are you truly listening? You know, I think that's the disconnect a lot of times. Sure, you know, sure. so." That's good, I, but I like that, you know. Um, and no, I'm not going to edit that out because I like that. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a real encouragement. I think that's a struggle for a lot of people. Is yeah. that um, that it is okay to, to question and to be mad and to be upset? It, it, it's okay, yeah. Because God's not surprised by it. He knows our heart, um, and I think if we're truly following Him, I I, I think He'll He'll um, reveal Himself through that. Yeah, um, and you mentioned walking, man. That is like my go-to. Yeah, um, and I feel like I walk a lot more and a lot longer when I'm, you know, some something's not going well. Yeah, you know, and it's just like this unbelievable. It's just I don't know. God just somehow speaks so much to me when I'm out, just me. Sometimes the dog, but just
1: me walking. Yeah, yeah. So, I do I do that when I I'll I'll get on my my uh lawn tractor and start mowing my my property or I'll for me I say walking sometimes it's walking usually it's getting on my bike I cycle a lot and so yeah. I'll get on my bike and I'll you know just just me and him out in the country you know and uh anyway he wants us to be real that's awesome hey I appreciate the time and the encouragement Hey, thank you. It's been a great time and thanks for all you're doing. And, uh, i say this, if, if anybody wants to connect with me, you know, I'm, I'm very open. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be something I'm not, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Both of them are at DP football agent. And, um, you know, I've got first team dad, uh, Facebook page, but most of my, I'm not very good about it. Most of my Facebook stuff is just on, on Drew Pittman, but, uh, anyway loved it love to connect with anybody and and uh, you know we're, we're all here to help each other and um, I, I love connecting with other believers and uh, even even people who aren't yet and, and are just seeking
0: well I hope you enjoyed hearing from drew as much as I did I mean just the couple of conversations I had leading up to the recording just truly encouraged me so I was just so excited for you to hear from him and there's just so much just from the conversation you just heard that um, we could break down and talk about more in this conclusion. But just a couple of the highlights as I look at my two pages of notes is just be who you are. You're the follower of Christ or you're not. That was very challenging and convicting to me because there's times in my life where, you know, I may try to compartmentalize my life. There's my work life, my family life, my Christian life, but, you know, just that challenge to, that I'm either a follower of Christ or I'm not. My identity is not in what I do. It's in my relationship with Christ and who God created and designed me to be. And just the constant encouragement to, to daily be in the Word. That is allowing God to speak to us. We spend a lot of time praying and telling God our needs and our wants but we spend less time in His Word allowing Him to speak to us and just how important that is and something that I've struggled with my whole adult life is journaling and he talked about um, leading up to releasing his first book was, was through journaling and just the value in that and that just really challenged me to, to try to get back into that and writing down my prayers, and my thoughts, and what God is, is teaching me. Um, and just, frankly, just to live our life, to glorify God, not the approval of man. And that sounds so simple, but yet it's not. It's very difficult in today's culture to to not get caught up in seeking approval of others, especially through social media. So I would encourage You, as Drew, encouraged me to live all of my life, every breath, every moment, to glorify God and not worry about man's approval. So just every day, be in the Word, be in prayer, and journal. So thank you again to Drew for encouraging me and encouraging our listeners. Um, I would encourage you as you listen to this that you would share it with someone. I know there's somebody in your life, a family member or a friend that needs to be encouraged. I would encourage you to, to share this episode with somebody. And we love to hear from you. So you can go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, type in All In Sports Outreach, and you can... Contact us through our social media. You can find out opportunities to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. Find out who we are, why we do what we do. And also, I would encourage you to check out our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for your constant encouragement, support, and prayers.